0: We meet the user where where they are, so we're very, again, like we're a technology platform, we're integration heavy, so we're fully integrated with utilities, you know, enter your credentials, we're automatically pulling that data, similar integration that we've built for ERP systems. Um, That said, a lot of users still do start with like a bulk upload, so just taking what they do have and getting it in the data template and pushing it in but it's absolutely all about meeting the business where they are. What data do they have available? Where do they need help filling in gaps? How can they be clear and transparent about where gaps are estimated and perhaps proxy information is used versus real primary data?
1: So I'm assuming you've got customer success people to help the the clients get started. The best ones, the best
0: in town, absolutely. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders, climate champions, and sustainability professionals who are making an impact in their businesses today. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Hello, ET Nation. I'm excited to announce that I've updated my website that provides listeners more access to episode content and information about the podcast. Please take a moment and visit the website and sign up for email notifications and blog postings. Also, check out our sponsors page to see who supports the show. We can't thank these industry leaders enough. Finally, I would really appreciate if you would take a moment and post a review and rate the podcast episodes either from my website or from within your podcast app. This helps the podcast get more exposure on Apple Podcasts and other podcast networks. Also, please send me comments and recommendations on topics that you want to hear about. I hope you enjoy the new website, so check it out at www.SeanKGrady.com. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Grady, and today's guest is Alyssa Raid. Alyssa is the chief sustainability officer for Sustain Life, and they are a SaaS platform helping businesses across the industry define and achieve their sustainability goals. Alyssa helps lead sustainability strategy both internally for uh, sustain for and uh, for Sustain Life customers. So uh, Alyssa, she holds over a decade of experience in sustainability at several different organizations, and she holds a bachelor of arts from the West from Washington University and a master's in environmental policy and science from columbia university welcome to the show Alyssa.
0: thank you sean thanks for having me
1: i had to you know give everybody the the full picture of you know who you are and you know so it's, <laughs> it's kind of a, a you know oblig, oblig obligatory you know part, part of the process here so but hey you know welcome to the show uh sustain life you guys are a new startup in the uh carbon emission tracking business. So uh, let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, welcome to the show and give us a little more background on Sustain Life.
0: Sure, happy to. Um, so Sustain Life is a carbon accounting ESG SaaS platform, and we're helping businesses operationalize sustainability. Um, we do a lot of things, but the real bulk and core of the platform is a suite of a greenhouse gas protocol compliant calculators. So when you hear scope one, two, three emissions and carbon accounting, what our platform does is it ingests your business data from a myriad of sources and it computes them and turns them into those emissions outputs. So you can respond to RFPs and customer requests, um, support mandated regulated disclosure and investor driven disclosure, or just talk about the great things you're doing, you know, in a standalone sustainability report. Well,
1: how did you guys get started? In, how did you get started in the, in the sustainability industry? I mean, this is kind of a new, you know, era, so to speak, or a new uh, you know, re- area in the business. So talk about that. You've been here 10 years.
0: Yeah. So I'm a pretty pure play, sustainability, uh, ESG kind of background. I went to undergrad. I declared an environmental science major and I never wavered from that. Um, I continued Good. on to get a graduate degree in environmental science and policy. Um, but I am from New York and I live in New York and after school I knew I wanted to work in something to have an environmental impact. I just thought if I'm going to spend my life working, which as a New Yorker, that is what we are kind of calibrated to do for better or worse. Collective uh, citizens. Be- <laughs> yeah. I wanted it to be meaningful. I wanted it to have an impact. I wanted it to, to spend my time and my brain capacity trying to solve the problems that I thought were really critical for humankind. Um, And so in New York, what are the things that create all the emissions and consume all the energy and have the largest impact are buildings. So I actually spent um, the majority of my career in real estate and in the built environment and hopped around from consulting and architectural design. um, And I I ultimately wound up working for a large commercial owner and operator um, here in the city. And then coming over to Sustain, we're about a two year old company. I've been here since the very beginning, part of the founding team. And the mission of Sustain Life is all about translating really complex, sophisticated topics and making them accessible so that businesses can engage in sustainability and climate action. It can't just be the global enterprise businesses, the Apples and the Googles of the world that have a sustainability plan. It needs to be every business taking action if we're going to have the impact we need. And so that is the guiding light and ethos of Sustain Life is helping businesses understand what is relevant to them and material to them, where they can have an impact and then giving them the tools to both, both measure a baseline, but also manage it and actually improve their environmental impact.
1: I think that's time. the biggest challenge that we're seeing as well, you know, in the consulting business or you know, in the industry is where companies are really challenged, Like, How do I get the data? How am I measuring this data? What calculations should I be using to, you know, calculate my emissions? Um, you know, through the various, uh, you know, scope one, scope two and scope three, they, they, they can be challenging, uh, you, you know, and, and because it's not easy to discern how to use it, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the factors properly. So, yeah, I mean, if you can create a solution that helps people solve that, that, you know, conundrum, wow. that's really the the trick here, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, so much of this work, even at pretty sophisticated, you know, enterprise scale companies is happening on spreadsheets and it's just super labor intensive, prone to human error. And it's just clear that technology can do a better job of managing those emissions factors and the data sources and processing that data, um, as well as helping you do things like data quality and fill in gaps and estimates. And so, you know, that's what we built into the platform to really help businesses understand Here's the data that you need to engage. Here's what we do with it. Here's what it means when you, know, you get an output and how you can talk about that in a meaningful way to your stakeholders that are asking you to disclose or talk about these things across various media.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, where do you think we are in the evolution of the decarbonization journey right now?
0: <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, I think that we've made a lot of progress, but we frankly have a lot of the way to go. Um, the goal of net zero of decarbonization is to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. And right now, we're falling short of doing that. Even if all of the government pledges that are out there, if we you know, actualized all of them, even those current commitments are not enough to maintain that warming threshold. And so there's a lot that we have to do to really get there. There's some great resources, uh, the ones I recommend, there's a great IEA report that talks about transforming the global energy system and what that needs to look like over the next three decades in order to reach this target. Yeah. And it's a lot, it's it's a lot. Um, there's also net zero tracker is a great resource um, talking about like all the countries, there's 50 countries representing over half of global emissions that have set net zero targets. And that's great. But the- quality of those targets vary. You know, some don't, yeah. aren't robust. They're not including scope three, which if you're not including scope three, you're, you're missing <laughs> most of the pie. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've been, uh, we've had a lot of guests on the show and we talk about, you know, this whole decarbonization journey and, and some of the tactics or, or strategies to try, try to get there, you know, in the built environment, you just talked about, you, you did a lot of work in the built environment, you know, I've had, uh, you know, several uh, interviews with, you know, lead, lead, uh, green you know, lead zero is a big sure. new one out yeah, there, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, solar uh, power uh, seems to be another one of the topics to me that is just not getting enough air on how it can really help transform the consumption of, you know, fossil fuels by going solar. And the problem that I see is that our utility systems are really built for transmission and not you know, consumption, basically, right? Uh, and the cost of solar is a barrier uh, mm-hmm. and it needs to be plug and play. I mean, you, we, in my opinion, we need to be able to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and say, well, here's the size of my roof and I can buy the panels and I'm just connecting cables mm-hmm. down to the, the, the breaker box And that's it. I mean, you know, or into a a, a battery that's down there as well. Mm -hmm. So make it so simple. The caveman can do it.
0: I, you know, look, I think we're making progress. I say this with the utmost respect, but my mother-in-law did that. She did it right. She got the solar panels on her roof. She hired the service providers and this is certainly not an industry expert. You know, like we're, we're certainly making progress, but I think, I think there's a lot of constraints with the grid. And even if we get all of this capacity, you activate the solar and you do the wind projects, the transmission and distribution grid is not built to accommodate this additional capacity. We literally cannot transmit it from where it is generated to where it is consumed. And And so there are major infrastructural challenges.
1: Absolutely. And that's where the biggest opportunity, I mean, there's all the 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 biggest chunk of emissions are in the built environment that we already have. I mean, wow. Let's yeah. let's solve that and I think we'll start to get there pretty
0: fast. And you know what? This is um, you know, a less uh swanky, I'll say, kind of a less exciting approach to it, but if you're in real estate, you know that the first thing you do isn't evaluate a, a rooftop solar installation, it's energy efficiency. You yeah. look at your current systems and what your consumption is and what projects can you implement to actually reduce consumption. And then you work on your actual energy right. supply.
1: Right. But, uh, you know, I think, Ken, uh, well, we're getting a little too far off topic here. However, <laughs> just real quick, <laughs> you know, when, when, a, when a solar company comes and says, hey, we, we can help you get to, you know, get you off the grid. And they say, well, but you need to take a mortgage out, you know, to do it. That's like a non-starter right mm-hmm. so that's the problem we, we got to solve that if we could do that we're going to make big impact um because a lot of people want to make a big impact Daddy. If you're listening to this podcast, I'll bet you may be thinking, how can I level up and advance my career? If you want to get that promotion, increase your regulatory knowledge, gain professional recognition, and earn more money, then it's time to obtain an industry credential from the Institute of Hazardous Material Management. The IHMM offers eight credentials that are ANSI approved for students, experienced, skilled employees without a degree, and for the degree professional looking to set themselves apart from the pack. Their credentials focus on three main areas, Certified Hazardous Material Manager, the CHMM, The Certified Dangerous Goods Professional, the CDGP, and the Certified Safety and Health Manager, the CSHM. If you become an IHMM credential professional, then you will be in the top 1% of your profession and your credential will have a global reach. Check out their programs they offer at www.ihmm.org. That's www.ihmm.org. What are you waiting for? Get started today. Well, look. I mean, the the decarbonization journey really is. It's 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 we're on we're on it right now. Many people are addressing it in different ways. Uh, we're seeing companies now really drive the message. You know, from the corporate you know C suite executive uh, ranks all the way down to the everyday worker. Uh, it's happening. So, how how's the conversation changing? You know, that you know with these boards that you've seen
0: yeah. through
1: your interactions with Sustained Life.
0: Yeah. So I think, and, and I do a lot of speaking with um, the accounting profession, which really approaches sustainability and decarbonization from the enterprise risk management space. So really like focusing on that governance and oversight. And I think ESG has really become a board issue. This is something right. that is material to investors. So many of these disclosure frameworks are investor driven frameworks. Right. Proposed SEC law is an investor driven disclosure law because investors want to understand material risks and opportunities to their investments and in the allocation of their capital, the same way right. they want to understand risks and opportunities across other things outside of ESG risks. Um, and so I really think that it's not just about what is your performance, but what's your strategy? How are you navigating these things? How are you building in resilience to your business operation and your value chain and supply chain? And that is what really can, you know, can really impact long-term value and the resilience of that business. Um, I think I think across the board we're seeing sustainability become really integrated into the core business practice and disciplines. This is no longer a siloed team. I mean even when I started in my career, sustainability was a little siloed. You worked with other teams. Yeah. But yeah. now like you're touching procurement and risk management and IR and operations. I mean this is really becoming woven into the fabric of how businesses, strategize and run, run their
1: processes. You, well, you know, when, when the procurement people are asking for sustainability information from their suppliers, it's getting yeah. pretty deep. It's getting pretty deep into the, you know, the, uh, the business because, you know, they're mostly thinking, Hey, I want to buy, you know, something for the lowest price,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and now that equation of the purchasing, you know, is, is changing, right. They're, they're not buying just on the the lowest price, you know, the SGGS are really kind of coming into play, and mm-hmm. well, there's there's so much. It's 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 evolving so fast too. I think that's the speed of what we're seeing is is kind of interesting. I mean, it's really uh, exciting time to be in the industry right now.
0: It is. I mean, I think that network effect of you know, customer to supplier and we have a mandate, we have goals and standards. And if you want to do business with us, we're going to ask you this at an RFP or we expect this information from you or we're right. going to make a buying decision based off this is really powerful. Like we so often talk about regulation because now it's just it's so hot. There's a lot evolving in real time. But the traditional drivers of this have been that supply chain network effect. And it's, it's market dynamics, right? right? You're going to do what your most important customers are signaling to you is important to them.
1: Right. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about digital transformation that's taking place in our industry today. And, you know, let's, you know, beginning with scope one, two and three tracking of the missions, you know, it feels like uh, there are many different tech companies, you know, hitting the market right now. I mean, like you guys are in there. There's I've seen you know, I'm, a, I'm aware of a few others, uh, you know, and they're all developing good tools and, and they're, some may be specific for an industry and others. Cause I think, mm-hmm. you know, not one tool is going to meet all industry requirements. Cause some absolutely. of these, like if you're in the oil and gas industry, pretty complicated stuff mm-hmm. with all the air emissions that are associated with, you know, title five permits and things like that versus, you know, a retail company. I mean, yep. totally drastically different. So talk a little bit about, you know, sustain life, how you're separating yourself from the other solutions and what's your target industry.
0: Yep, absolutely. So there are a lot of solutions on the market and there's, you know, I'll say they're not all designed equally. Some, as you said, are absolutely targeting embodied carbon in building products and materials. Others are targeting oil and gas or hard to, other hard-to-abate industries. Um, and there's a couple of things, to you know, if you're evaluating software offerings that you're going to want to know about them. And I think a, a couple of differentiators that I'll talk about with Sustain. One is who do we focus on? We focus on mid-market businesses. And that's actually a really significant differentiator. A lot of the tech platforms are building enterprise-scale tools. That's who they want to serve, those large enterprise customers. And we really seriously believe that it's actually the mid-market that needs more help. They don't have yes. the deep sustainability teams. They don't have the deep sustainability expertise. They're the ones that are blocked from taking action right now and really need a tool that they can engage with to unlock that.
1: They can't uh, financially afford these enterprise solutions either.
0: Absolutely. And you know, Another one is that a lot of these enterprise solutions are – They brand themselves as a SaaS solution, but they're really tech-enabled services. There's a deep layer of consulting services on top of that. And we've also taken a different approach there. We're a pure technology SaaS play, and we actually partner with consultants who have been doing this work for decades to essentially be the tech backbone so that they can scale their services and expertise to their clients.
1: I got you. Well, so do you guys uh, just set up separate agreements with consulting companies to support them and how does that work?
0: Yeah, we have a whole partnership network and there's a whole slew of different commercial arrangements of, of how it can work. But that's been a really meaningful um, partner for us because they are the ones that have deep expertise in the space, yep. have deep client connections. Also, you know, businesses aren't looking for more service providers or more tools. They want to consolidate. They want to streamline. And so being able to kind of scale existing relationships we're we're happy to do that right we just want to be the technology platform that empowers all of that action
1: have you had any of those types of um, you know i'm just kind of curious have you had any of those types of arrangements with uh, your your partners where you white label your your application into other so it's you know it's seamless into somebody mm-hmm. else's solution it's okay yeah. yep. all yep. right that's good to, yeah exactly. that's good that's good to know i mean that's because that's that's a. It's a great alternative for someone who already has a good solution for a few other aspects of you know the value chain of maybe EHS or something and they yes. just need that piece yes you know to I be mean, more comprehensive
0: yes the partnerships ecosystem is so critical you know let's not all build the same tool let's all understand the different niche approaches that different tools have whether you're coming at it from a governance perspective or a compliance perspective or an ehs perspective or a broader esg perspective and yeah. connect with tools and providers so that you're building a robust solution that can solve all the businesses'
1: needs. I love I love that approach because we find um, in the market too that, that um, the differentiator by having that consulting expertise and a solution really does help you separate from a traditional SaaS product who mm-hmm. they're just giving you the solution but figure it out yourself. And most of the clients are struggling to, you know, do the figuring out themselves or have the manpower to do the, the you know, the actual heavy lifting to do the work. Because uh, there is a bit of, you know, manual uh, labor. Unfortunately, you can't automate everything, right? Yeah. You know, there is that that domain knowledge you need to be part of the process. And so I think there's a, a good value there. Uh, but it's great to hear that you guys do partner with people like that. And that helps bring the, a full Full, um, ecosystem or a life cycle of solution to the to the clients um well what do, what do you think is like some of the most challenging part of of setting up a user and in, in sustained lives uh application what's the biggest challenge or mental issues that they may have
0: yeah i i think i mean the actual setup like creating the account and uh, you know <laughs> putting in your location is very easy right like that's like yeah. a very clear process so You know, I think of it more in terms of onboarding and activation. And to us, we define that as getting a baseline, measuring a baseline. And I think the hardest part about doing that is access to data. And I think that's universal across whatever scope you're doing. I mean, that's the the hardest thing. It's access to data. And I'd also say for businesses just starting out with this, it's really understanding your organizational boundaries and activities so that you're properly establishing the ecosystem that it is, you're trying to measure and manage through this application.
1: Yeah, I mean, getting the data and, and having access to it has been what I've seen a big challenge for a lot of companies trying to, you know, adopt a new system. And mm-hmm. you're like, hey, okay, can you give us all your um, your past records? And they're like, oh man, you know, we really don't have a great. I, I really, I mean, I'm gonna. It's like herding cats, right? Yeah. It's like let me go (laughs) get this guy and he handles it really nicely in his own little special access database or this guy has been using spreadsheets for 20 years. And this guy's, you know, you're lucky if it's in his Outlook Outlook inbox, you know, I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. it's all over the map, right? So yeah, it's a big challenge.
0: It is. I mean, we, We meet the user where where they are. So we're very, again, like we're a technology platform, we're integration heavy. So we're fully integrated with utilities, you know, enter your credentials. We're automatically pulling that data, similar integration that we've built for ERP systems. Um, That said, a lot of users still do start with like a bulk upload. So just taking what they do have and getting it in the data template and pushing it in but it's absolutely all about meeting the business where they are. What data do they have available? Where do they need help filling in gaps? How can they be clear and transparent about where gaps are estimated and perhaps proxy information is used versus real primary data?
1: So I'm assuming you've got customer success people to help the the clients get started. The best ones, the best
0: in town, absolutely.
1: (laughs) It's like, hey, the template's not working.
0: Well, yeah, you put it in the wrong column.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh gosh. Okay. Yep. 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 So <laughs> with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Cascade Environmental. Cascade's Compass Corporate Sustainability Program has been helping consultants balance economic, social, and environmental impacts of remediation on projects since 2014 achieve your sustainable remediation goals by drawing on Cascade's leading national capacity, technical expertise, and their performance-focused approach to support any stage of your project lifecycle. When looking for a firm that can help you meet your sustainable remediation goals, then look no further than Cascade Environmental. To learn more, go to www.cascade-env.com. That's www.cascade-env.com. But let's talk about a little bit about the tools available to users that, you know, to capture the scope three data. I mean, are there any integrations with utilities or templates they can use? Yep. You know, talk a little bit about that, because we're not showing the, the application for users or for listeners today. This is all, you know, conceptually in the cloud oh, no. in their mind right now. But yep. you know, Let's give them a concept for because then they can go to the website and then they can see something you know, more and maybe get a demo.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, So like I mentioned, we're very integration heavy. So we integrate with utility aggregators. So it's not each individual utility. We work with those that aggregate thousands of utilities um, across the country with some international coverage as well. So utilities are really the easiest ones. We built something similar for ERP systems to pull your transactional level data. Um, And then we also have the bulk import templates, which again, some users prefer to use that. Um, it's, It's challenging. Um, the data quality problem is, is really tricky. And I think utilities is probably where we see the most use. You know, if you can't be asking this office manager and this facility manager and check that spreadsheet, it really needs to be automated and, and easy. And so we've really prioritized that from the technology standpoint, which is another thing. You know, if you're looking for a platform, these are questions. And, and I just to go back to that for a second questions that you want to ask of the platform, you know, of what's meaningful. Do you have data automation and integrations? Do you have full coverage? A lot of platforms for scope three, it's limited to a spend based proxy of purchase goods and services. And outside of that, there's no opportunity for primary data to kind of fill in these things. Um, You know, some are gonna be sector specific. So it's really about understanding, okay, what do I need? What coverage do I need? And asking some of those questions to see, does that platform or offering have the kind of tools that's going to be able to support you?
1: Yeah, the, the the one of the challenging scope three data sets is waste for a lot of companies because it's managed, you know, um, mm-hmm. in a in a bifurcated way. I guess there's one way to say it or just, you know, it's managed by individuals at locations that aren't connected. There's are no platform. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's there's lots of touch points.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: Labor intensive to keep the data organized. That's yeah. the other part of it.
0: It's still a manual process. I have a very sweet spot for waste. I spend a lot of my time in, you know, in real estate. It's not the sexiest part, but like waste management is a large part oh, of yeah. sustainability it's, in the environment.
1: It's one of the big legs of the whole scope three that yep. needs to be factored in. And um, and there are a lot of really good things that can be done about reducing emissions through recycling and you know waste reduction and things like that, which will help drive that zero carbon emission or the, the, you know, the reductions. Uh, So I think we don't want to underestimate those in in that area too. But um, so you've got templates that help people, you know, get their data in. That's really good. So I saw that there was an ability to conduct supplier assessments. Uh, Talk about what that is about and what does that mean for the user?
0: Yeah. So scope three for emissions, but also just having supplier code of conduct and wanting to understand your value chain and push the standards of your business onto those of your supply chain. We have a module that's built into the application where you can essentially reach out to all of your suppliers, upload contact information, send them a survey, ask them questions, things related to environmental stewardship, ethics, fair labor, working conditions, a lot of the kind of responsible business questions, I love it to customize things. And then of course, scope three, you know, clear questions around, do you measure your emissions? Can you allocate emissions to me? What allocation method did you use? Right. What categories of emissions does this represent? Because it's, it's not just the numbers, it's really understanding the methodology of what does this number represent? And I do think that's a piece that sometimes gets lost because people just, whether it's checking the box, whether it's, oh my God, I got a response, but it's, you know, is that an allocation based off their scope one and two? Does that include scope one, two and three? What kind of allocation methodology did they use? And you know, those are, they're important questions to really understand the value of the information that you are getting.
1: But it's great that you've got a tool that helps the user, you know, bring in their supplier base. I mean, and get that information from them through that survey. I mean, that's that's impressive because I think people struggle. They're like, oh, you, you want me to get my procurement people to do that? Because now that's like adding other layers of things onto their their plates too. this can help them. Right.
0: Yep. and again like having a single dashboard you know the output of our supplier assessment is like a heat map of risk so it's okay based off of your suppliers responses and the documentation provided these are the ones that are risky for you to be doing business with their answers aren't looking so good and then right. you can say oh my gosh i gotta focus on the top 20 percent of my spend and make those all you know <laughs> be not risky and get a green light here yeah um, so it just helps kind of provide insights and indications into where you should be focusing your efforts and then of course How do you manage and improve those we have a whole management platform of how do you actually operationalize these things and engage with your stakeholders and and all
1: of that no that's that's really good yeah exactly um well you know are there um reports or action plans available to users because i mean i think the biggest hurdle for a lot of companies is developing you know an esg you know strategy or a plan that they can follow and You know disseminate to staff to really help them Mm -hmm. understand here's our vision here's our goals here's what we're trying to kpis we're trying to achieve
0: yes and that's why i always say operationalizing sustainability because that's what this is reporting and disclosure measuring important but like why are you doing these things you are doing them to have an impact on your business and to achieve your goals and so i think another differentiator in our platform is we have a whole managed section so we've got 120 actions over key impact areas, things like energy and emissions, water, waste, business strategy, smart workplace. And these are actual actions and recommended guidance of what you can do to improve your sustainability program and policies. And that wow. comes with a whole list of helpful things You've got policy language and downloads and templates and workbooks and things, the tools you need, communication templates to actually put this into action in your business and work across, you know, stakeholders, whether it's, um, you know, across different team disciplines or executive leadership or with your consumers or, you know, end customer.
1: Well, you know, that right there, just having access to that is uh, probably a game changer for most people in the buying process here, because that's like one of the big, I think, outcomes most people are really excited to see, you know, get it, get their hands on is, you know, this is going to help me create my, my roadmap.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. And having that roadmap of, Just like basic project tracking right like due dates is this started do i have a goal end date you know where am i in this process it's really helpful to organize and solidify those efforts and also you mentioned the sdgs before but translating or connecting the activities and programs and policies that you of business have put in place and how that supports or otherwise connects to these disclosure frameworks does that support an sdg are you doing something in that effort we've mapped that all in across the UN Global Compact and GRI and like major frameworks to help tie that knot because it's. when I was in-house, I did that exercise manually. It was, okay, we're going to report to GRI. We're going to report to the UN SDGs. Let's think about all the things that we do in our business and all of our programs and try to tie them up to see which one, you know, this, which, you know, target. Yeah, which
1: it connects to and how it works. Yeah, right. Leverage that information to make it more... Um, well, to help you, you know, meet your goals, right? I mean, yeah. and show how it does and, and improve it. So I really think that's really powerful. Um, you know, I think when you when you when you think about, you know, a user journey, and they go through this process, I mean, talk about what how long does it usually take a, a you know, a client to really kind of get started and feel like they're actually Hey, we 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 got our we we got this under control. We're using it cuz mm-hmm. they're the ones actually using the application. You're not yeah. there's no one else really doing it for them unless it's a partner doing it for them. And that might mm-hmm. be the most scenarios, I don't know, but how many are buying the application and they don't use a partner, it's just them doing it?
0: Yeah. Plenty, plenty. We have a lot of direct clients as well. And, you know, the time varies based off of the complexity of the organization, their goals of what they're trying to do in the app, and the access to data they have. Right. so you know to put a, a, a benchmark or bandwidth around it like four to six weeks is kind of average it can certainly go beyond that if you're really struggling to get data it can certainly be shorter than that if you've got integrations and data is just coming in and you kind right. of come in and know what you're doing
1: so um you know uh you know developing all the factors that the you know the the carbon emission factors has got to be one of the more i guess complicated challenge of things i mean is there anything in the application that really provides the export of like, here's how we arrived at this calculation. So you can prove to you know, an auditor.
0: As, I could not have asked for a better question. We are very, very proud of this feature. A new feature that we launched last cor- quarter is called our audit and verification view. And this is literally meant for users that are trying to get assurance or third-party validation. And for every single calculation that takes place in the application, it is backend transparency into Where did this data source come from? Is there an upload document to support it? Was it a manual entry? Was it an integration? And then what emissions factors and data sources did Sustain Life use to translate that into um, not just your CO2E carbon output, but all the constituent gases, methane, nitrous oxides, every single constituent um, Kyoto Protocol greenhouse gas. And that's really, really important because for businesses that are used to doing this, if you're getting assurance and your assurer says, okay, I'm going to need your documentation for the carbon emissions so I can replicate this. Mm -hmm. It is such, I mean, it is such an effort to hunt down every single source and what did I use for waste? And I don't know what did my provider use for energy. And so having that all in one platform is an incredible time saver.
1: Yeah, no, that's good to hear because that, that that there again is another one of those key features that's like, okay, From an auditing perspective i can validate this this you know it'll have quality assurance i mean essentially what sounds like you've almost developed is almost like a mini sustainability emis you know system i mean think about it i mean you've created this like iso little emis system that's just all sgg and esg (laughs) it's all connected and it gets your blueprint your i mean that's really you know your your reports it's really
0: cool yeah no i mean we're we love building what we build, right? Like it is the most gratifying job to be able to build this product and technology based off of customer input and market insights. And it's just such an exciting space to work in. And also knowing that the product that you're creating is having such a beneficial impact, you know, to businesses oh, and to yeah. the world.
1: This episode is sponsored by Pace, people advancing science to protect our environment and improve our health. PACE provides an unmatched depth and breadth of testing and analytical capabilities along with professional services for your in-house lab needs. They have the expertise, capacity and delivery infrastructure to provide the certified results you require when and where you need them. With over 40 years of innovation, more than 500 certifications and accreditations, PACE is serving customers through over 100 lab and service center locations with mobile lab, on-site, and emergency response service options available. At PACE, they honor their commitments so you can honor yours. The next time you are presented with an environmental testing and analytical needs, turn to PACE. To learn more, go to www.pacelabs.com. That's www.pacelabs.com. Well, talk about what it's like working for a startup.
0: It's really fun, honestly. Like it is, it's just really fun. My personal background is much more of a corporate one. And so it's just been incredibly liberating and freeing to be problem solvers and navigate these complex issues and work across disciplines with product and engineering and designers of How do we design a solution that is accessible and intuitive and impactful and important? Um, And especially in this space, there's just so much evolving in real time. And it's really collaborative. You know, like I said, like the partnership network is so important to us, understanding what customers needs, you know, their unique needs. It's, It's just a really, really fun, exciting space to work in.
1: So what's been like the UX conversations been, you know, with the design, because I've always, you know, most of the developers I've worked with, they, they, they've got a, a vision of just doing things, but they don't always see the, the UX side of it all, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, our design team is incredible, honestly. Like every time we demo this platform, we get such praise for just how intuitive and thoughtful and like accessible it is to actually use um, and they're incredible. And our design team is involved from day one of conceptualizing our features and just thinking about the whole UX and user journey. And so it's it's just a delight and like really cool and interesting to be able to work so closely with them. It's not a, you know, a practice that I have any background in and seeing how they can translate their skills and their craft, you know, into this kind of product is just really, really cool.
1: Well, I find that, you know, you need you need the, you know, you need that domain expert like yourself, communicating to that technology expert th- for the the why and that, you know, they'll tell you how, but you're telling mm-hmm. them why. And then you come together and you figure out how you can come to, you know, build that solution that's really, you know, it's powerful when the teams are all working the same.
0: Yeah, I mean, working direction. lockstep and working together, it's, it's just what you have to do. And we're really lucky in that we have a product and engineering team that have worked together at previous companies for many years. And so we're just able to cycle through and iterate on things really quickly. Um, and it's, it's just really cool to see the progress that gets made, even when we change process or you know, something in our tech stack. Like it's just, um, you know, everyone's really on the same page, really in the same groove.
1: Well, so how many people are working for Sustained Life at the moment?
0: We are a company of 45. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's great. Yeah. So in two years, you've geared you know, up to 45 people.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Now, are you uh, mostly in New York, or are you spread out globally, or what's what's their what's your you know demographic there?
0: Yep, we are a fully remote company, and we are geographically dispersed from the west coast of the U.S. all the way over to Europe. We've got a big team in U.K. and Ireland, and then we stretch from you know northern Maine down to southern Florida. So we're really taking uh, a large swath, and I think that's something that's also been so incredible about working in a remote company and technology is you're not constrained by a local workforce. We're really able to access talent and craft and gifts, you know, from different regions. And it's so fortunate.
1: That's great. I mean, so talk about like, you know, how much VC funding were you guys able to, you know, grab to get this thing off the ground because you don't just start by having a great idea. I mean, well, you kind of do, but you really (laughs) need to, the funding to scale
0: yeah yeah so you know there's been um the funding uh market you know has gone through a big transformation over the past year from when you look back you know a couple years ago but we're we're fortunate we've raised 20 million and we are vc backed
1: that's fantastic um you know that that's where i'm seeing a big trend a lot of vc you know are out there looking for you know, green tech, big time. Mm-hmm. You know, to to get behind and sponsor and and to try to drive the change in the industry uh, yeah. that is needed, right? And and I think a lot of people are also really wanting to, um, um, you know, invest in companies that they are also aligned with, from you know a personal perspective, uh, environmental perspective. Uh, you know, they're passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, they'd rather see money be spent on companies that can make do good for the environment than some that are, you know, polluting.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think there's like the mission oriented investment strategies. I also think from a capitalistic view, like this is a growing industry there, you know, even if there's going to be, you know, short term blips in that growth and trajectory, like we are transitioning to a net zero economy. That is what's happening. And there's going to be more dollars and innovation and investment going into that space to actualize that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. Um, well, how does the business model work for you and your clients currently? How does that work? I mean, so we, you know, they come in, they sign up for a, you know, a seat or an annual license or yeah. what, what are we talking about for, for the buyers here?
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's all product led You go to the website and it's a tiered subscription. So it's an annual fee and there's different tiers based off of some company details around how many users you need and your size, but really more so focused on what are you coming to the platform to do? Do you just need to measure scope one and two emissions? Do you want broader ESG? Are you looking for that assurance and verification support? Um, And that's really meant to fit where businesses are in their journey because we do support the mid-market and there's a great range of maturity in what businesses are looking to do. Some are just starting out, their large customers are asking them for scope one and two emissions, and they need a reliable, consistent, accessible way to get that information to them. Yep. Others are publicly traded companies that are going to be mandated by this SEC rule. And they're really trying to button up and tighten up, you know, what their internal data management processes look like.
1: Well, that's good. So there's a bit of a, uh, um, I guess, a a feature-based, uh, you know, scale. So mm-hmm. if I want the platinum where I want the full capabilities, that's the, you know, one tier, if I'm down, I just need some minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good way to look at it. That's really yeah. good. Um, well, this is good. So, um, what's the big, uh, what's, what's new on the the doc for you guys, anything coming up that anybody wanna, you want to, you want to share that's going to be exciting oh. for the company the, or the
0: roadmap. We have yeah. so many exciting things coming. I think, the most exciting is that we are launching a feature on on target setting, specifically setting science-based targets. So really actualizing that path to net zero, grounding that target in the science-based, you know, SBTI initiative and and other frameworks, um, which you know companies are just looking for that level of validity and that level of rigor. In you know, arbitrary targets are are old news. You know, they if you're just starting out, they can have a place. If you have one, like you always want to have a goal, but this is about setting meaningful targets that are going to get us where we need to be. And that's what we should be striving for. So we're really excited to launch that feature next quarter.
1: Oh, OK. So targets. Wow. That sounds good. Um, that's really good. Uh, I guess uh, you've got really good user dashboards, you said, uh, that you know, kind of show progress and, and things like that. For, and what about data analytics? Do you have a nice analytic engine on the back end of this thing?
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, you know, we're integrated with Power BI reporting, there's a lot of insights and hotspots and not just giving you your data, but what does this data mean? And what do I do with it? What are the actionable steps that I can take after having this data?
1: That's good. So do you have a lot of clients coming to you with like custom reports? Like, hey, I need this. This is, uh, you know, it's something that we don't have in in the can.
0: Um, we do have a lot of custom So We have like a whole custom section if you want to be tracking custom metrics that you have custom factors. So I do think that's another thing, you know, we're a relatively um, small business when you compare it to some of the major names in the space, you know, Salesforce has a tool and Microsoft has a tool. And I think, you know, being able to be nimble um, and kind of react to those kind of customer requests and fit their need is, is something that's appreciated, you know, by the market. Yeah.
1: Right. No, it, it's it is because, you know, you can't it's it's hard to build like, you know, the perfect mousetrap for everybody. Right. You yeah. just can't. So a lot of these types of things that some level has to have some flexibility for a little bit of some bespoke type uh, reporting and you know functionality.
0: Yeah. You know? And that's honestly kudos to our design team because they're so adept at creating that kind of like modular, flexible, customizable system and Doing it in a very efficient way that allows that our engineering team to produce it, you know, with a relatively low lift compared to had they designed it in other ways.
1: That's good. That's good. Well, look, how do listeners get a hold of you, Alyssa? so <laughs> can, You know, get more information. You know, I saw you on a LinkedIn video post, which I saw, I saw a clip and I was like, you know what? She would be great to come on to the podcast. <laughs> we can get this information out to the listeners. And um so I really do appreciate you come on the show, but how do we get a hold of you?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'll say come check us out, ww.sustain.life. Um, you can check out our YouTube, sustained.life. We have a channel. You can always reach out to me directly. I am Alyssa Raid on LinkedIn. Alyssa at sustained.life uh is my email. And we're eager to talk to you. I mean, we love talking, you know, to prospects, whether they become a customer or not. We just love to understand what are your challenges, what are you trying to achieve, what are your Um, goals so that we can design the most impactful and powerful product to meet those needs.
1: So don't be shy, folks. Reach out. Yeah, she won't bite. She's she's (laughs) easy to talk to. Uh, No, this has been good. And I'll make sure I put all your contact information up on the website so they can reach out to you. We'll get this podcast episode out here shortly uh, for all the listeners. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, you know, the best of luck with the, the Sustained Life. I'm really looking forward to seeing the progress of that application.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me.
1: You bet. I want to thank our guest, Alyssa Raid from Sustain.life, for coming onto the show today. If you have questions about the software services they offer, please feel free to contact Alyssa via email at Alyssa at sustain.life. You can connect with her via LinkedIn or visit their website at www.sustain.life. We'll also put a link to her contact information on my website. To listen to future Environmental Transformation podcast, you can check us out on all the major podcast networks or from my website at www.shawnkgrady.com. Remember, don't forget to hit don't forget to hit the follow button and. We would really appreciate if you would leave a review and write one in your Apple podcast app. It helps us increase our placement in most podcast networks. Also, if you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening. And until next time, make a
0: positive impact in someone's life today.